Thanks for downloading this podcast from Teacher Magazine. I'm Dominique Russell. Each year, two educators in Australia are named winners of the Prime Minister's Prize for Excellence in Science Teaching, one primary school teacher and one secondary school teacher. For 2021, the primary school teacher named winner was Megan Hayes from Mudjabira Creek State School in Queensland, and Scott Graham from Barker College in Sydney was the recipient for the Secondary Teacher Award. Both have gone above and beyond to improve student outcomes in science in their school settings. For Megan, this has meant focusing on supporting more girls to get involved and engaged in STEM, while Scott has worked over the years to foster an appreciation and interest in the study of agriculture. I caught up with both Megan and Scott late last year to find out a little bit more about the work they're doing in the classroom and in their wider school community. We're bringing you these conversations in this episode. Let's hear from Scott first. So Barker College is a um, 130-year-old school on the North Shore of Sydney, and um, we have around about 2,700 students from K to 12. Um, We have around about 60 boarders as well from in the senior years from year 10 to 12, um, some of which are from rural areas, some um, are from the city. Um, And so effectively, all of our students at Barker are um, North Shore or Northern Beaches students. Um, they've grown up in that environment, in a kind of urban environment, and you know, it's about as urban as it gets in Australia. That's such a large school. Can you tell me about what your science department looks like there? Yeah, so science is very large at Barker. Um, we have, um, in our senior years, year 11 and 12, we have, um, there's, we have about 360 students in each year group, and um, there's around about 500, 550 science enrolments in, the, in that year group, so um, that includes agriculture. So you, you're looking at around about 1.7 or something like that, 1.8 sciences on average that students are doing. Obviously some doing none, not, uh, not many, but and some doing one, some doing two, some of course doing three. So um, yeah, it's, about, it's quite high science enrolment um, f- you know, across the board. Can you share why it's so important for you and your colleagues to emphasise the importance of the agricultural industry? Like you say, in an urban setting, it's not something you typically hear about that often, about teachers being so focused on agriculture. Yeah, so I guess the key issue is that in Australia, we have about four to five jobs per graduate out of ag degrees, at, out of agriculture degrees at university. And so there's a massive undersupply. And at the same time, um, there is uh, a historical low of students in school doing agriculture in year 12. So there's around 2,300 um, doing a year 12 um, leaving exam in Australia for agriculture. So only 2,300 or so each year. Um, Of that, about 1,400 of those are in New South Wales and we have 90 of them. So um, there's a significant shortage of people in agriculture and and agriculture is um, you know fundamentally important I'd like to say it's too big to fail Um, obviously we need agriculture for our um, continued survival and um, it's of foremost importance Um, it's the reason that we can be such an urbanized country I mean one of the most urbanized countries in the world is because um, you know we not everyone has to grow their own food basically and so our agriculture is efficient and um, you know very you know it's world class and so 
with agriculture, I guess, now and particularly into the future. I mean, the students that are sitting in our classes are going to still be working in 30 or 40 years' time, and so we need to really be setting their sights on that. And I think, um, you know, and as a secondary point, um, I think students are really interested in making a difference in the world and being part of, um, you know, something much bigger than themselves. And so I think agriculture really fits the bill there in terms of, um, a lot, you know, a lot of our students are really excited and interested about things like uh, food security and, and climate change. And, and obviously agriculture um, it has the biggest land user in the world. Um, about 50 to 60% of Australia is used for agriculture. And so agriculture has, um, you know, such a large influence over food, obviously food security, but climate change as well. And so students are really interested in doing something in agriculture for that reason. And um, yeah, urban students in particular. Is agriculture something students are introduced to in their earlier years at Barker College or is it something that they're introduced to later? So as a subject that they can choose, they can only do it in year 9 to 12 and it's voluntary all the way. However, um, in New South Wales now, um, agriculture is mandatory in year 7 and 8 technology in what's called tech mandatory. Um, it's a, one of the rotations that they do, one of the five rotations. Um, and food tech and you know how, how that's implemented in each school looks a little bit different based on their own resources. But um, yeah, that's now mandatory as of the last kind of three years. And so that's really important in terms of getting them thinking about agriculture, thinking about, I mean, they're all interested in it. And this is the thing that, um, you know, people, I think people have a, the wrong perception about is that urban people are super interested in agriculture um, and the paddock to plate and that kind of thing and actually want to know about it. but are kind of structurally separated from um, agriculture because it's just the way our society works, um, but they don't necessarily want to be. And so students in year eight, um, you know, have a, at, we do it in year eight um, for the, in the mandatory tech unit, the agriculture component. And so students really um, enjoy that and their parents, you know, they come to the year nine curriculum night when we, they get to choose their subjects and the parents are like, man, I wish we could do this, you know, I wish we could sign up or go on this trip or go on this excursion, I wish we had this when I was at school. And so there's such an interest there. And then further than that, um, we like to get the, um, the junior school involved a lot. Uh, one, of our, one of our agriculture teachers is our um, STEM, or at Buck we call it STEAM, uh, with arts as well. And she's our STEAM coordinator. And so she um, uses part of that um, time with the junior school and to, to take the junior school students to, um, we've got uh, four, four baby calves at the moment that we're feeding twice a day with milk um, for a couple of weeks. And so, you know, we've taken them down there and we're just introducing, there's various other things like um, uh, beet team, sorry, in junior school, which is the Barker Environmental Action Team. So they grow um, veggies and that kind of thing down there in the junior school, um, which is on the same campus, but slightly removed. And so, um, yeah, that we're, we're trying to get them involved from, you know, kindergarten so that I guess what we've called it is we're trying to normalise ag because um, agriculture typically in the most in most places where it's taught is kind of like the ag plot is the farm you know is kind of down the back out of the way and the kids that don't do ag which is not many of them um, doing ag generally across the state as a percentage of school um, cohorts um, they don't know anything about it they don't see it it's not part of their life and so we like to have like we've got our veggie garden beds and stuff and veggie pods on the roof of the science building they're all kind of dispersed throughout the school and so students um, walk past them or you know they get to see things um, and agriculture we, we're trying to normalize agriculture so trying to make it as part of their normal everyday life and not an extra thing that someone else does out the back you know in the bush somewhere 
but it's part of their lives and they're involved in it. And so, yeah, absolutely, we try and get them involved from kindergarten and every year beyond that. For other science teachers looking to enhance their teaching in agriculture, what are some good first steps or some things to keep in mind? So I think there's probably two things that I'd say. One's about strategy and one's about resources. And so um, just to get the resources one out of the way, I guess, first, the Primary Industries Education Foundation of Australia, which is P-I-E-F-A or PIFA, um, they have a website uh, resource called uh, Prime Zone. And so if you know, people search on Google for Prime Zone, it's the first one that will come up. And um, it's a resource that has um, a whole, or it's a, it's a site that has a whole lot of resources for primary industries, ag- you know, agriculture, forestry, fishing, all that kind of stuff um, for all different year groups. And so I'd really recommend that in terms of being a resource. Um, yeah, and, and as we mentioned, um, agriculture is now mandatory in, in New South Wales in year seven and eight tech. So a lot of teachers, I think, have been utilising that. Um, and that's, you know, applicable across the country. It's not um, state-based in any way. But um, yeah, so that's all free. And so that's a fantastic resource. But I think in terms of strategy, um, agriculture is really, really easy to engage students in, I think, because, um, you know, we talk about the paddock to plate. And I think um, the thing that interests urban students and is, I think, the background to why we have such large enrolments in agriculture is that, as I mentioned, urban people are actually really interested in the paddock to plate. Um, you know, you look at the success of cooking shows on TV and um, various things like that, and people are really, really interested in, you know, how their food's been made and where it's come from. The provenance, you know, where it's come from is now um, a growing, an increasingly important thing where people want to know, you know, where's it come from and how's it been produced, and that's much, it's a big deal. And so it's not hard to get urban people interested in that. They're already interested in that. It's just tapping into that. And so my my suggestion in terms of strategy would be yes paddock to plate but you need to start at the plate and work backwards to the paddock because I think um, students they all know about the plate like they've been eating their whole life and they will obviously for the rest of their life and so um, my saying at um, our curriculum nights for example is agriculture is going to have you know four or five six interactions with you every day of your life Um, so you know, are you going to have anything to do with agriculture? Are you going to learn anything about how things are produced and how, you know, how it gets to you? And so I think if you, if you start from um, the plate and work, work your way backwards maybe to the paddock, um, that's kind of a, an easy way to connect with students because they already know, you know, it's stuff they already know. They, they've been eating, you know, different cuts of steak or they've been eating, you know, whatever it is. They've, they know about a bit about free-range eggs or something, you know. But So working backwards, I think is the way to engage urban students, which in Australia is about 90% of us. That was Scott Graham there. Now it's time to take you to Megan Hayes, STEM specialist at Mudjabira Creek State School. She's passionate about getting girls involved in STEM and has even started her own conference called Sisters in STEM. Here, she explains how she was able to pull it all off and some of her favorite learning activities in the classroom. Well, Mudjabira Creek is located on Queensland's Gold Coast. We're we're called the Green Behind the Gold. We're in the um, semi-rural. We have 750 students here, so most year levels have four cohorts. Um, My role um, started in 2016 when we found that the interest in science and the culture of science was growing in our school um, quickly, and it was an area that I was really interested in. And we have a very forward-thinking principal 
and um, Deidre put out um, an expression of interest to the staff for someone to take on the role um, in a specialist position. So um, I got the, that role and in 2016 I started with a model which had the classes coming to me with their teacher. So it was like a, a train-the-trainer type um, set up where the teachers were able to see what I was doing. We were able to work collaboratively and then they went back to their classroom and they could continue on with that um, idea. The following year, um, or was it two years after I started, um, we then brought on board um, my colleague who is digital technology based and um, we work um, together side by side, that sort of thing. So um, that's where the idea grew from. And when I started, there weren't STEM specialists, if you want to call it that, um, type of people, um, especially on the Gold Coast. So it was all very new and a lot of trial and error. And my program that I currently work on with the staff and the students has evolved and changes um, and is a living, breathing thing. You're passionate about getting girls involved in STEM and engaged in STEM too. So can you talk me through how you do that and how female engagement has evolved over the years? When I first started um, the first year, I got the students to draw a picture of what they thought a scientist looked like and an engineer looked like. And I had, you know, 98% of them were male. So I went, hmm, there's a problem here. So I used um, every, every time I get an explicit teaching moment, I show them how uh, women are doing amazing things in the world and their effect on society and the community. Even with my year ones, we talk about, hmm, does a scientist have to be a man? And they oh, no, no. Yesterday I was doing a storybook with the year ones who've come for the first time term three and term four and already I can see them being um, changing their mindset and I uh, read a story called um, If I Built a House and I was telling them that there's lots of different sorts of engineers in our world and an architect is a type of engineer because they plan and they, you know, they build houses and buildings and, you know, from a skyscraper to a, co a cottage and I just stopped and I, I did that. Oh, I wonder, can an architect be a girl or a boy? And I was waiting for a little bit of a mixed answer, but the culture had already hit them in the face and they were like, yes, they can, Mrs Hayes, don't you know anything? So that was beautiful. Um, I have STEM captains at school and I have a lot of girls come and volunteer to help out in the school garden to come in and help set things up. Um, and this year with um, the COVID um, pandemic, we had so many times where you'd plan something and it wouldn't, wouldn't happen. And um, it wasn't until a few months after we came back from our lockdown, our short lockdown in comparison to everyone else, um, I really saw a change in some of the students and it made me think that we really need to start connecting them again. So I came up with this idea of the Sisters in STEM conference, a mini conference. I thought start small and I started looking for my 
connections and my friends who had experience in doing conferences. I'm a primary school teacher, not a conference runner. And so um, I had coffee with a couple of friends and they kind of got me started on the road. And then I thought, right, I'm going to be fearless. So I started contacting women who I had come across over the years um, and we ended up with some amazing keynotes, especially I just did a cold uh, message to um, Professor Lisa Harvey-Smith um, and she is the ambassador for women in STEM in Australia and she was amazing. She did a live link up with the girls um, I had 35 year six and seven girls come to the Sisters in STEM on a Saturday and we had a keynote with Professor Lisa Harvey-Smith. Um, we had Dr Brad Tucker, but more importantly, sorry Brad, we had Dr Emma Tucker, his wife, who is a space, um, she's a GP um, in her area is medicine, but she's worked with NASA. Um, the girls were blown away that these two people had come so far in their career. So um, it's those role models that I use um, as much as I can with the girls. They went away passionate and enthused and the emails that I received from their families, um, I was very humbled that a small idea grew into something quite large. So now that um, the words got out um, and the the teachers who actually supported me and did little breakout sessions, um, the professionals from Griffith University, um, they're going, we've got to go bigger and better, give more girls the opportunity. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> it was just amazing. And I'm very fortunate that I think my passion goes across a little bit um, to some of the, a lot of the staff here. And I had so many staff volunteer on their day off they just wanted to be part of it and um, that in itself is just an amazing um, feeling to have. I know you've mentioned a couple already in our conversation but do you have any other learning activities that you've used in the classroom that are a particular highlight for you? Could you talk me through one of them? I think my favourite um, task to do or challenges to do is when I do storybook STEM with my younger students uh, their imaginations are so amazing. There's so many beautiful books that have been published now with, a, uh, you know, 21st century skills focus. The, you know, if something goes wrong, um, solving problems. There's so many out there. One of my favourite is What Do You Do With An Idea? And it teaches my little ones that, you know, if you have an idea, don't be afraid to share it. Don't be afraid to have a go. You know, stand up for yourself and, and nurture that idea. So at the end of it, I it's their first foray into the design process. Um, I show them how you know, we do a plan and we label the plan. So it's relating to their science um, skills as well. And I give each class a different material. So we're building in um, the properties of different materials. So one class might get a paper plate, one class might get a tube. And they, they look at it and they go, well, I'm going to turn this into. So it's age appropriate, but they're using that whole planning, designing cycle. Um, they come up with, you know, rockets. Some of them do lion's masks. Um, they just blow me away with what they come up with. 
I think my other favourite one is with my year sixes. We have um, school chooks and they are a favourite because, you know, you'll be sitting in your classroom and the chooks go walking past. <laughs> and one of the problems that we've had is that we've got three, um, a rooster and his two girls, and we need them to have more space and to be safe. So I challenged the year sixes to um, plan and design a prototype of a house for a hen. So I'd worked with the year sixes and we looked at, we all of my um, planning that I do, I work with my um, year level cohort and we bring in what they're doing in science into the work. So they have, were doing their electrical unit in science so they did their prototype, but then they had to incorporate a circuit of some description that provided um, some sort of care or protection for the chooks. So they were taking what they'd done in science and putting it into a real-world context. And, you know, we had fans and air conditioning and alarms for foxes. Um, it was really a fun, but it had a purpose. And all the way through... Um, anything that I do, it is related to what they do in their um, science lessons. And I work with the science coordinator um, to make sure that that's what happens. People always ask me, what do you do and how do you get started? And I just want to let people know that you just got to start small and just start. Um, you don't have to have everything all at once. Um, I started with nothing. Um, I was very confused about the um, curriculum and how it fitted um, and it took me a good 12, 18 months to work out that I was focusing on the design technologies and it was easier when my colleague came on because she focused more on the digital but, you know, they overlap so much and um, I just think um, I've been doing a lot of reading lately and I found that I was doing inquiry early on and didn't know it was inquiry <laughs> and there's such a place for inquiry learning across all classrooms and STEM isn't a subject. STEM is a way of thinking. It's about those skills and I think the success of our program has been that that we've been building on those, you know, the collaboration and the problem solving. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. Before I let you go, I thought I'd share some details about an upcoming episode we have for you. We'll be joined again by Monash University academics, Dr. Erin Leaf and Russell Fox, who will be taking us through how teachers and school leaders can tackle responding to inappropriate comments made by students in the classroom and the playground. So you don't miss out, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. If you want to keep listening now, you can access the 200 plus episodes already in our archive. And while you're there, we'd love if you could rate and review us.